After podcasting in the streets, I drove over to the downtown Boulder Library, slid into an empty parking spot, and jumped out. I saw him sitting on a bench near the front entrance. He looked to be in his late 20s, with brown hair, black circular glasses, and an even wilder beard than mine. He introduced himself with what turned out to be a nearly imperceptible Midwest drawl. Hey man, good to meet you, and shook my hand. His name was Josh. He was in college for counseling, learning to leverage his overwhelming empathy into a powerful skill. What luck. We booked a meeting room and jumped right into a personal and reflective discussion about our doubts, our strengths, dreams, our desire to contribute to others. We talked about the benefits of psychedelics, making hard decisions, and finding motivation. We touched on the concept of neurodivergence. I shared my feelings of ambiguity about where my future would take me. At times, the conversation got a little emotional, and I was grateful that I had connected with somebody with deep insight and a willingness to connect themselves. I shed a few tears as I saw how big his heart was, how oriented he was to helping others, even though he was mostly just confronted with how he needed help himself. The discussion we had was well worth the drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, go ahead. Hello, 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 hello. Perfect. Okay, man. Um, thanks for doing this. This is pretty wild. This is pretty out of the blue. It's very absurd and irrational and exciting. Just the way I like it. Just the way you like it. Well, and I wouldn't even know that except for the way that we ended up here is because um, I just randomly saw you like something or comment on something that I put on my uh, words by Schwa Instagram account and... Uh, and the, the username you had was interesting, so I clicked on the username, and then I saw a couple of photos of nature, and I was like, man, that looks exactly like Colorado. So, uh, and I'm in Colorado driving through, I've been through uh, Wellington, um, right below Wellington is, uh, I'm blanking on, well, anyway, whatever's south of Wellington, it'll come to me. Fort Collins. Okay. Fort Collins, and then uh, Denver and boulder so like uh, i've just kind of been all over colorado and so when i saw you had photos of colorado and then i was also like um curious about your username and then i was like well just reach out to the guy and who knows maybe it would lead to a conversation that benefits both of us so very spontaneous uh and uh and and you said and much to your credit you said sure i'm in let's do it yeah i uh I appreciate you reaching out to me. You know, I, I love, you know, connecting on the fly like this. You know, I feel like you just never know what could come from it. You know, it's just like being creative last minute. I think, you know, it's the best, it's the best call for creativity for It's just super authentic and nice. Yeah. Well, it just shakes things up, right? It takes us out of our normal pathways, our normal habits, routines, or people, or whatever we planned or would have done with this time on Sunday. And it just says, boom, here's something different. Right. And I think that that can lead to, to a burst of creativity for everybody yeah. involved. I almost feel like when you don't have really time to think about, it, I feel like you, you almost like dive into a part of our brain that we're not used to using. So it's like, we're kind of forced to, we're kind of forced to be creative in ways that we're not, um, we don't rely on, you know, exactly. And actually, find new ways of, of creativity and, and, you know, self-expression as well. Yes. So, so thanks for making this room happen here at the library, hooking us up. This is great. Um, I guess before we, you know, kind of get into actually talking about anything, a couple things that I just want to say, 
Um, it's nice that we can record these kinds of conversations. Uh, don't let the microphones get in the way of just kind of being you. I already feel like you're a very straightforward, authentic person, and I don't think that that would be the case, but um, I'm just me, you're just you. We're two people that randomly showed up here, and, uh, and you know, whatever happens with this, it's going to be, you know, us presenting ourselves in, in an authentic light, but also I'm not trying to sit here and make you say something stupid so that I can make fun of you on the internet, okay? So we're on the same team. And, um, and I'm very like grateful and appreciative of your time and your, you know, your mental energy that you're, that you're showing up to this with to do something that you don't really know what it is or what it's all about. And, and I love that. I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. I, I'm not going to lie though. Like last night I was like, what could, what could this guy possibly want to talk to me about? You know, I had no idea what, what, what this was about. I think I even shared with you earlier when I was, when I was messaging you, like, should we be outside? Should we be inside? What are, what are we doing? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's cool, man. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. So it is a good question. Like, what are we doing here? And, and actually what I want to do is kind of use each other. This is the idea that I have for a bit of the time is use each other as a bit of sounding board and uh, a collaborative kind of compatriot in opening up some of the things that we're on, we're, that we feel like we're either just digging into or that we're on the fence about or that we have a, a, a lack of certainty about in our own lives individually. And you don't know me and I don't know you. And so the goal is because I can already tell that we're both very intentional people and we're both you know, interested in a humble form of contribution to humanity around us, that we can potentially take things that are going on in our lives that we're kind of like curious about still and um, and unpack them a little bit with each other and kind of brainstorm and soundboard off of each other. Um, and, and the purposes of that is primarily because, uh, we are always going through periods of uncertainty in our lives and there's always new people coming in. There's always new experiences coming in and sometimes just like creating a space where we can actually appreciate the discomfort, uh, the unfamiliarity and celebrate the novelty and the chance encounters. Sometimes it can change the way that our brains put information together in a way that wouldn't have been possible if you were just talking to your normal people and I was just talking to my normal people. So it's, it's very much an experimentation in do we walk away from this with something that we wouldn't have gotten unless it happened and then celebrating the fact that we took that step outside of our comfort zone to go find that. Does that sound interesting? It does, man. It sounds a lot like planting seeds. Okay. What do you mean by that? Uh, so we're here together. We have no idea who we are. Um, and we're going to talk about things that, you know, are uncertain in our lives. And we're going to, we're going to, there's going to be some transference happening here. We're going to say things and we're going to share, um, some of our insights together. And, um, there might be some things that we're going to say to each other that maybe we're not consciously ready to hear. Nice. I hope so. Um, but just because we might not be ready here, like right now at this very moment, you know, what that does is it kind of plants a seed in our brain or in our minds. And when we are ready for it, it just like what, you know, planting seeds, what it sounds like is like it turns into a flower when mm -hmm. it's, when it's ready and it happens very naturally, organically, um, so yeah, so that's a great metaphor, man. And, and it, it resonates with me because building on your metaphor, I'm in a period of my life where I have, um, it's more like I've 
just tilled the entire field and it is just back to dirt. Whatever grew over the winter uh, is go- or over the summer harvested, done, and now I'm just left with a, a plowed field and I am trying to plant those seeds now and I'm actually trying to figure out the new version of myself and of my life that I want to explore. And it's, it was a very dramatic and intense uh, transition from the old to the new. And, but this is the very beginning of it. And I am, uh, you know, doing the things I'm doing. I'm living in the van. I got rid of everything I own. I broke up with the girlfriend. I said goodbye to my friends and family. And the goal is to immerse myself into the things that, that I am passionate about, that resonate with me, that I'm curious about, um, and follow those to see what's ready to come out. What's, what's ready to be explored? What am I ready to give back to the world? And right now I am dealing with so much uncertainty about what that even means that, um, sometimes it allows self doubt to come in already. And you say, well, what have you done? what have you done, man? Like, this is crazy. And this isn't, this isn't something that, um, makes logical sense. It's not something that has, uh, a sense of security or stability about it. And it's something that can, uh, look very different to the outside compared to what it feels like on the inside, which can create a sense of like alienation. Right. So with all of that kind of change and that, Uh, you know, that doubt coming in, that uncertainty about what I'm trying to put out. um, What I'm trying to do is really just say, I see all of that. I get it. And that doesn't, none of that's a bad thing. This is part of the process of making any change in life. And um, so, yeah, like when I kind of give a bit of that context, um, what comes to mind either in your life or uh, that resonates? Yeah, man. um, I feel like we might be in very similar, um, transitions in our life. You know, I, we're here in Boulder, Colorado. I just moved out here in, in August from, from Dayton, Ohio, um, where for the past three years I was working at an, as an assistant manager, um, for, for a customer service company. Um, and you know, one day I, I kind of woke up went to work and I started to really notice how like I was really taking on a lot of my customers energy, my, my coworkers Mm. energy. And I was just feeling really drained. Do you feel like that was a gradual thing that happened? And then you just like suddenly realized it was happening or was there something in that last like few couple months or a couple weeks that really like shifted the way that you were showing up? Yeah, man. Um, what really, I think, I started really just being aware of it based off of, I just got back from Costa Rica at that time. Nice. I went to an ayahuasca ceremony out there. Cool. Wow. Um, so I don't know if it was just, um, you know, when I was, when I was at this retreat, like I wasn't spending any time with reading books or on my phone. It was really a lot of, you know, being, being with myself, hmm. you know, when I wasn't, at a ceremony, mm. um, they took all of our phones away. They took our books away. They took everything away from us, but a pen and paper. Okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an empath and I'm a, I'm a very sensitive to other people's energies. Um, it's not something that I'm necessarily aware of right now, but I, but I, I, I know it, um, in my, in my subconscious. Um, mm. So when I, when I started really acknowledging this, becoming aware of, of 
of this taking on other people's energy. I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta quit this job. And I've always um, had this dream of of serving others. Mm. Um, you know, you were talking about earlier about what is it that we can give the universe, and for me, it's always been serving, mm. um, serving whoever whoever needs help. You know, I wanna I wanna be able to be of help to that person. Um, so I decided to move out here and um, go back to school and get a degree in transpersonal counseling to be a, a mental health therapist. Transpersonal counseling. Tell me what that means. And I, I mean, you know what, before we get into that, I want to go back one step because the, when I asked you, you know, why did you kind of leave the job? What changed? And you mentioned the ayahuasca ceremony. For me, I, I look at this and I say, okay, the change, something had already changed before you went to the ayahuasca ceremony because you chose to go to it mm. and you chose that right. in Costa Rica. So, um, and maybe that's something that was building over time, but I'm just kind of trying to, uh, see how the little dots connect in the past that led to this moment of you taking on a new kind of career, a new kind of path. And what led you to go to, uh, uh, Costa Rica to do that ayahuasca ceremony? Whenever you, whenever you hear people talk about plant medicine, which is what ayahuasca is, um, it's not something that you decide to go and do. It's like a, it's a calling. Hmm. Like it, it's like, it comes, it comes to you. It, it was something that really kept coming up in my, in my meditations. And I just felt like it was hmm. a calling man. And so anyone who, who eventually hears this podcast, I definitely strongly suggest if you do decide to to go and do something like that. Make sure it's, the timing is everything, you know? And hmm. I feel like the calling was so loud, I couldn't ignore it. Hmm. So I decided. So it's actually as a result of, like, like you said, meditation and actually just listening more than even looking. And it just kind of came, became more clear to you that that's something that you were ready to go do. Yeah, man, I've been, I've been on this healing journey for I don't know, five, six years now. And, um, I've, I've experimented with psychedelics before. Um, and so I just felt like it was just in the next part of my, of my healing journey, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that actually played a big part, um, in how I got out here because, you know, um, a big part of this, of, of my experience with mother ayahuasca, uh, it was all based around fear. You know, a lot of my life has been consumed with fear and resistance. And, you know, I've known that I've wanted to be a therapist probably since I was 19 years old, since a friend at the time's mother told me, Josh, you have uh, this gift of really seeing people for who they are. Um, but I've always just been, I've always really been resistant to doing what you're doing right now or just picking up your stuff and just really just going without having any idea what could possibly happen, Yeah, you know? And, um, but me experiencing that at the, at the ceremony in Costa Rica, it was a, was a huge, um, game changer for me and, and, you know, deciding to, to leave my hometown behind and to come and start a new life out here in Colorado. Dude, that's, that's an incredible like shift. It was almost like, like you said, back when you were 19, there was something that already was there that was like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. 
but it actually took like coming back, you know, through this other journey, through the other stuff. And now again, arriving in this environment where it's like, okay, now it's time to go. Yeah. That's a really cool, you know, kind of full circle kind of thing. I love when you have those moments of clarity that you're like, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to do next. And then somehow, some way we take the longest way around and, but, but gather so much other context and experience and, you know, connections through that. And then at some point it's okay, I'm ready. Let's take me back to what that was. Yeah. And you know, I think a, a lot of it for me was, um, you know, I had to go through what I needed to go through in order to make it out here. Yeah. You know, I had to experience, you know, my own healing, um, mm. you know, and in 2017, like I, I experienced like a, what some would call like an awakening to the illusion of self, hmm. of the false self. You know, I started to really see myself in a way that I never have before. I started to kind of see the truth of who I am. Um, and I think that was a lot of, I think that was the validation that I needed to know that this is the kind of work that I need to be in. Cause if I can do it for myself, you know, maybe I can provide some type of my, ex I can share my experience with someone else who can, who needs it, you know, because ultimately I believe that, um, the tools and the experiences that we get to go through in this life, none of it's ours. Um, we're not supposed, to, there's nothing in this life that I believe that we're supposed to hold on to. It's all supposed to be fluid. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to come and go, you know? And so, um, that was kind of like the confidence that I needed to, to make this change in my life. That's cool, man. So tell me about what transpersonal counseling looks like. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, so like I, I kind of shared that I had like this, this spiritual awakening in 2017 um, in 2017. And you know, um, that for me was a transpersonal experience. So it's a lot of, it's, it's very spiritual based, you know, you're instead of like in your traditional, behavioral psychology, clinical psychology, you're really looking at is what's, what's wrong with the person versus like transpersonal counseling could be a lot of like what happened to a person. You're looking at the experiences of the person. You don't, you know, you're looking at, you're using mindfulness and contemplation and, um, you know, you can be using plant medicine. You can, you can, there's so many, that, there's so much that goes into it. It's like, um, yep. you have the, you have like, the, you know, we're all inherently whole beings. There's nothing wrong with us. We're all made in the image of God. Um, and so I think a lot of transpersonal counseling for me, um, for my understanding at this point in time is to help others understand that there, that there's nothing wrong with them. Hmm. You know, um, I, I actually recently have started doing this ketamine assisted therapy stuff. Cool. For yourself. Yeah. For myself. Yep. And so this experience has been a really neat experience for me. Beautiful, beautiful experience. And what it's really helped me do is really step outside of myself, you know? So I'm in this transpersonal counseling program. I just finished my semester and one of the classes that I had to take was human development. Hmm. And we were looking at things like gestalt theory. Um, we're looking at different theories, Fro Freudian theory, Eric Erickson's psychosocial development theory. And all of those theories are just different lenses on how we look at somebody. Right. And so it made me realize that 
you know, we go through life and we have all these different type of experiences. We have to look at ourselves from all these different perspectives, but yet we're always typically, from my understanding, looking at ourselves through the same lens. Mm -hmm. And so where I think like this ketamine assisted therapy could be really beneficial is it almost helps us see ourselves through a different lens. It's just another lens that we can use to triangulate the information that we have about ourselves to see it from a slightly different angle. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So what's the mechanisms of doing ketamine assisted therapy? Because I've done psychedelics. I'm, I'm, I've done ketamine, but I don't think I've done it in a uh, therapeutic sense. And it's something that I'm definitely interested in. But what kind of how do you set up a, a ketamine assisted uh, therapy session? Yeah. So um, my like I've only done two sessions at this point in time. And so I just show up to this clinic and I'm sitting in a chair and mm. they put they just give me two shots. In it's my like arms, IV. It's an IV, oh. and it hits me in like 15, 20 minutes. And they have like these different like lights and like clouds going on in the on the ceiling, and they have a TV that has like Costa Rica or wherever you want to go in the world. It's just there, and yeah, man, it's just it lasts for like a good, um, I don't know, forty five minutes to an hour. It's a dissociative, so it really helps. For me, I've really struggled for most of my life as I I get in my own way. You hear it's very common, you know. I feel like. You hear people say, man, I just, I need to get out of my own way. Hmm. And so I feel like ketamine is just really helpful for those who experience like things like PTSD, um, anxiety disorders, depression, and it's really helpful. It puts like a serotonin in our body. And so like, you know, since I've had my two experiences, I really actually can really feel the difference. I feel a lot more open. Um, I feel like I can, I feel my body, you know, I'm, that's the most important thing. Like my nervous system, like every, every time I leave the clinic, like my nervous system feels so calm and it's like, I'm not used to, I'm not used to feeling that, you know? So does it kind of like re-normalize or like change the baseline sense of like peace and calm in your body? Is that, is that kind of what, cause ketamine, my experience has been, it is very calming. It's very, uh, like you're, everything feels okay. And you don't feel like you're uh, neurologically firing, you know, fight or flight or any of that kind of stuff. So is that, is that kind of what it's doing is it's bringing that down that baseline. It's kind of like a big weighted blank and it's like, Hey, you can be okay here. And then you kind of normalize that moving forward instead of getting amped back up. I'm, you know, it's my first experience. So I honestly yeah. don't know what it's going to be like moving forward in my experience of being on ketamine, like I'm really able to notice these experiences as they are happening from a very clear view. Mm. And just being there and being the observer, hmm. I'm able to really accept all the experiences as they're happening hmm. versus when I'm before being on the on ketamine, right. you know, I have this very the strong sense of resistance where I'm always trying to, to change my experience. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to change myself rather than be open to the experience, mm -hmm. have faith that I'm getting what it is that I need. Yeah. You know? Um, so again, it's like one of those things where having this experience on ketamine is such a beautiful refresher, a great reminder that, you know what? we are supposed to accept all of our experience as they happen and just see it that 
it's there for a reason. There's something there to learn from versus if you're constantly always trying to change the experience as it's happening, how could you possibly learn from it mm. when, you're, when your attention is spent on trying to change it? Yeah, th that change is actually trying to create resistance, right? It's, it's a lack of acceptance that makes us want to change something. And you're saying, put that aside, just like let it come, mm -hmm. you know, appreciate it. I find when we calm ourselves down, especially even just through normal meditation, right? And then we get to, into a mindset, into a headspace where uh, what's happening around us, we feel okay with. What it actually does is it brings out the parts of us that we like the most anyway, mm. right? Like that changing of ourselves that we wish we could do, or, oh, I just wish I was less anxious. Oh, I just wish I uh, was more accepting. It's like when we actually get into a mindset, even if it's for 10 minutes and we just appreciate what's happening and we say, okay, it is what it is. We like ourselves better as a result of that. And I think, I think the reason honestly, why we go through a lot of the struggles that we do is it's, it's, it's all happening in the body. It's not actually in the mind. And I think that is where, you know, we've been getting it wrong for so long is mm -hmm. like, we've been thinking that it's something that's happening in our minds, mm -hmm. but really it's not, it's actually, it's happening in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, being on this, having this recent experience, being with myself for the, in that time and just noticing my body, feeling my body and just, and just, wow, mm. I am so calm right now. Mm -hmm. I am so calm. And why am I calm? It's not because of my mind. It's because of my nervous system. Right. Our nervous system is what causes us to be jumpy. It's to be reactive, to, to, to rush, to, you know, all these different things that cause us pain and suffering it's because our, our body is not, we don't feel safe in our bodies. Mm. Yeah, man. That's something that's actually relatively new to me that I've started exploring in probably the last six, eight months. Same, same. Nice dude. And, and one of the things that I've noticed is when in order to access what's happening in my body, I feel like I need to strip away the stories and the context and the, and the insecurities that are all from my mind and be like, Hey, just how am I feeling? Like when somebody tells me something that I didn't want to hear, and if I, if I go to the, the mind, then I will become defensive. Then I will become resistant. And if I go down to the body and settle into, okay, what did that feel like? And then suddenly I become more curious, not only about that situation, but also about myself and what, I, what do I need? And it's just kind of like a way to slow things down and not get so stuck in the narrative that we tell ourselves. Yeah, you know what, man? I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out. As I you know, we both just mentioned that we're new to this and... Um, there's a really important book that you've probably already know about. It's called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, I'm still in the process of reading that book and awesome. it's, it's such an incredible book. Um, and yeah, man, you, you mentioned that letting go the old narrative. I, I, I honestly, man, I've always thought like that I needed to go back in time to really understand where my trauma or this emotional trauma that I have uh, stems from. But the truth is, man, I don't even know if this is the truth, but from what I've learned this semester in school is, and just experience now is maybe we don't have to go back always in the past. Like we've always been told that we do. Hmm. Maybe we can be, maybe it's important that we're here in the present moment. And you know, there's different practices, there's different tools that we can Maybe it's about learning how to self-regulate mm -hmm. and how to, how to do like be with our breath mm -hmm. and 
instead of always, you know, going back and reliving the things that, that, that were the cause of our trauma, you know? And I think that there's a lot of therapists out there. I mean, I recently had to do an assessment and that took two hours where I was asked to go over my entire life and really talk about all this stuff that left me feeling very uneasy, you know? And it made me feel not good at all. And it's like, I feel like if we have the proper education uh, and we, we understand that times are changing and we have more information that we have access to, that we, there's probably a better way of going about it versus what we've always thought was the correct way. So yeah, it's interesting that they put you through an experience where it brought up all of this stuff and you had to re- kind of recount the narrative of your life and the things that made you feel uncomfortable today thinking about in the past. They should be, from from what you know, I'm piecing together from what you've said and, and, and my own experience, they should be only doing that in a situation where it's also paired with the techniques and the capabilities to be able to manage and understand what is coming up. Because yeah. I think I think there's value in going back into the past and understanding where you come from, but not if you're just sitting there recounting it, recounting it. And I've, I've done the same thing with therapists, man. They're like, hey, tell me what's going on. I'm like, man, I'm going to spend like 45 minutes telling you my story and I'm not going to connect with any of it because you just need these data points. It, it, and exactly. I, like, at what point do we get to actually learn how to access that to connect with it and then to process it in a way where it actually leaves us feeling empowered, like we're owning that story and we don't have to be trudged down by it. I think it was actually in, in the body keeps the score that says anytime we are asking a client to go back in their past and, and do trauma work, like we need to assure that they feel safe before they do that. And the way that we, and a way, uh, you know, a way we can do that is there's grounding techniques, you know, there's different, there's different ways that we can prepare a client um, to go back in the past. And there's a difference between talking, you know, having a conversation between a therapist and a client, and maybe the part of the conversation does require a client to go back in their past. You know, that might be necessary. But to, to ask somebody to spend two hours doing that all at once mm. that's too much for anybody man that's Especially too much to do for, it well right yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly that's yeah. yeah that should never be asked of anybody and, and 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 the main reason why this person was doing it is because you know it was it was my insurance was through the government um i'm a student and i i unfortunately don't i can't work full time um, due to me being neurodivergent. It's just, it's too difficult for me. Um, and so this, this lady was, you know, I mean, it's the system that's, the, that's broken. And her, she was trying to gather all this information from me because she was trying to diagnose me right then and there. She wasn't even a therapist. She literally at the end of the session was like, hey, I think you're gonna be great with this therapist. I'm like, you're trying to diagnose me. Like, is that even legal? (laughs) Like, I don't even know if that's even like, I, I, I don't know, man. But, and did you know you were going to get passed off to somebody? I did not. (laughs) I didn't know. I so like the element of trust and the communications just like out the window at that point, the minute you share all of this and then they're like, great. Step into line seven, please. Yeah, man. (laughs) Bureaucracy at its finest. Tell me more about this, this, uh, I love this word and it's something that's kind of new to me. 
um, neurodivergence. Uh, it's a, I think it's, it's a word that runs the risk of being overutilized or misutilized. Uh, and so I'd like to start with just your idea or, or your uh, experience of what that has meant to you. Yeah, man. Uh, I just started in this program here at, at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. And so it's one of the new words that I picked up on um, from being here in my program. And uh, it's, so it's new to me as well. Um, and just from what I've gathered, what neurodivergence is, is just I was diagnosed probably at the age of four or five years old with um, ADD, ADHD. So neurodivergence is just somebody who, um, who just processes things different than the average person, the normal person. Uh, so it can be ADHD, it can be um, autism, it can be, uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the other, what the other um, disorders are that fall under neurodivergence, but you know, um, it's a word that I believe the word was actually, it actually came out back in the 90s. But I kind of, I like that word because it gets a bad name, you know, when you talk about like learning disabilities, you know, growing up with a learning disability, like I feel like we're, we're looked at differently than, than, you know, a normal person. And, um, and so like when I heard the word neurodivergence, I think about like, I think about God, for example, like the word God, how many people like are scared to know God because of the name that maybe Christianity gave it, mm. you know? But if you, if for some reason, there's so many different names for God, there's God, there's Hashem, there's, there's um, divine mother, there's Krishna, there's Allah, you know, there's so many different names, but it's like, it's our identification with that name really, um, is really what, almost what keeps us from really uh, connecting to it. Mm -hmm. So for me, like this, the neurodivergent kind of allows me to re kind of reconnect with that part of myself, right. which for so many years I tried to kind of ignore because I felt like it, it made me feel small mm. and for so, for, made me feel small for so long. And so the truth is, is um, there's parts of us that you just can't ignore. And um, part of that for me is, yes, I'm neurodivergent. And that just means that I learn differently. I process things differently. And the more we can accept that about ourselves, the more, I think the sooner we'll be able to love ourselves divinely. Yeah, man, I, I love that. So you discover that you learn differently, the information comes in differently and it probably has a different output as well, right? Mm -hmm. And this, and looking at that through the lens of curiosity and celebrating that divergency, right? Like that neurodiversity, uh, instead of putting a, a diagnosis to it and a label and just saying, well, you're just slightly broken. You kind of just have a mental flat tire which is what ADHD, ADD kind of gets treated like. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you just can't quite do this as well as other people. Mm -hmm. And instead, if we take it away from that, that storyline, that judgment, and we say, we bring it back to like, but what does that mean for me? What is my brain actually doing? What actually works for me that doesn't work for somebody else? And it leads you down that path of exploration for different techniques and, and, and actually the discovery of different abilities that you didn't know that you had simply because 
you're willing to look at it through something, a, a term or, an, uh, you know, through a framework that celebrates that difference and explores it instead of just putting it to a diagnosis and then saying, okay, good luck. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times when, when we're given a diagnosis, we're never actually being told, well, what, what's the reason for this diagnosis? What's the underlying problem, issue that's causing us to have this diagnosis, you know? When we are working under a system that forces us to diagnose, like, it's, it's dangerous because it creates a lot of space for misdiagnosis, you know? I remember when I started therapy back in 2016, I think I was in therapy maybe for like a week or two, and I was seeing this African woman who had this very thick African accent, and I could barely even understand her, but supposedly she could hear me just fine because she diagnosed me with bipolar depression, you know? And <laughs> yeah. I'm experiencing right now what I was experiencing then, maybe not on, a, on a, as intense of a level, yeah. but you know, my moods are definitely changing um, quite often now. Um, but I don't think it has anything to do with bipolar depression. So I think it's just important that instead of just feeling like we have to force a diagnosis that we, that we maybe go a step further and really try and understand the person. And I don't know, I think there's something really beautiful to, to remind somebody that they're a beautiful, loving human and there's nothing wrong with them, you know, because man, it's, when you give someone a diagnosis that that's that stays with them for a really long time, if not forever. And the, yeah. the whole identity piece, like can really, can really send you into a frenzy. It can hmm. be very dangerous. Hmm. Um, so you mentioned that your kind of moods, uh, fluctuate more or change more. And that's something that's coming up for you again now, as it was then, um, is your goal to, uh, control the mood or to use the mood that's there or like how do you kind of confront uh, the lack of control that you currently feel that you have over your moods the goal is to not try and change anything hmm. you know when you're when you're in it like I think the more you try and change the more resistance it's met with before I came out here to Naropa, my moods were actually very stable. And so, yeah, the goal is to get back to that place. It's really important just to be in a neutral state. It's not, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I have the, the right words for it, but to me, it seems like when we're operating on, from highs and lows, um, it takes away from the experience. And versus when you're neutral, you're conscious, you're, you're, able, you're able to see the experience the presence that is needed to to be in that moment. Oh, okay, so you're saying like mood is basically a filter on the current experience. So the more intense the mood, the less connected we are to the present moment. Yeah, because we're to the present reality. It, it's kind of like remember when I was saying earlier about if I'm so busy trying to change myself, if I'm trying to change the experience, how can I be learning what I need to from that experience when my attention is so focused on trying to change myself rather than being present and being with the moment. Okay. So then what the goal is, especially even with those mood swings or without them or whatever we want to, you know, whatever the context is, however chaotic our environment is, if the goal is to kind of bring ourselves back to a sense of neutrality and acceptance and openness to experience and just being willing to ride the wave of whatever that environmental context or mental uh, roller coaster we're on, what's the 
best technique that you have found that works for you to actually say, okay, I see what's happening. It's time to come back. And what is it? What is What's that? What does that path look like for you to arrive back at that, at that home state? What I've always relied on is, is my breath. I like to think that my intuition takes me where I need to go. Um, but the most important thing to be able to, to get to that place is, is I have to be, feel safe in my body. Because mm-hmm. when, when my body is calm, I can think clearly. Mm-hmm. And when I can think clearly, it, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what I've done in the past couple years prior to me coming out to Colorado was I've done a, lo- a lot of inner dialogue work where I'm really having conversations with myself. So if like, if I, you know, if I'm, feel like I'm talking to myself in a way that is not supporting myself, if it's not encouraging, if it's not loving myself, then I have to reframe how it is that I'm talking to myself because we run off of patterns, thought patterns, and we don't realize this. And, um, you know, we have these automatic thoughts that we're saying about ourselves and that we're not conscious of. And then we, you know, we repeat it over and over again. And then we, we eventually we start to believe it. And we make choices on the basis of it being true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it really comes down for me to, to, to have a clear mind and then to have a body where I feel connected to, where I feel embodied. And then I think that I will know what to do, you know, um, regarding like being neutral. I mean, I have, I'm, I'm by far from that. I, I know it to be true, but I think that it's, it's safe. Like to say, like our hearts know what we need to do. We have all the information, all the knowledge, all the wisdom that we need, but there's so much conditioning. There's so much experience that has happened that we have to work through in order to get to that, that, with that true knowledge. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question. Man, I, I really appreciate your answer. I think, I think one of the things that I think we don't focus on enough because it's too simple and we, and we tell ourselves that things need to be more complicated is, is we just need to be able to focus on our breath. And if you can, uh, yeah, like I think if you're having really intense emotions in any kind of direction or multiple directions at once, I think that's okay. And I think we need to look at that and say like, yep, yeah, enjoy the ride, man. But what you don't want to get, and this is kind of what you're saying is like, you don't want to get stuck in this situation where you can't get off the ride and you think that this new emotion is just your new reality, right? Like the faster we can recognize what emotions we're dealing with and then, and then be like, okay, good. Now I'm going to accept those emotions. I'm going to ride with those emotions, but I'm also going to start bringing my body back into this and I'm going to start breathing a little bit better. And so then you're breathing alongside those emotions and then you get the value of understanding why those emotions are there. Plus a calm physiology so that you can actually engage with the underlying narrative and the context around you in a more constructive way. So from, from this is, I'm speaking from personal experience. Uh, Same man. <laughs> you know, um, I've been practicing yoga since like 2018 or 2019. What I can honestly say, it's so important for us to understand our bodies. Like it is so important because like, there's a reason why these different spiritual practices like yoga and, and meditation and, and breath work like pranayama, they exist and they all serve a purpose and, and they're so necessary. Those practices are most important when we 
need to, to regulate ourselves, when we need to go and do something that is stressful or difficult, and we need to ground ourselves and, be, and get ourselves here and now. But for me, it's like, it's very difficult to do a practice when I'm feeling discomfort in my body. Like, because what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna sabotage, I wanna self-sabotage, I wanna hurt myself. And the reason why is, I, I mean, this is actually just kind of coming to me right now. And I think that the reason why I do that to myself is because I feel very unsafe in my body. Can you give me an example of what you mean by sabotage? Yeah, so like when I'm getting these negative ruminating thoughts, it starts to consume me. Like my, my head gets so loud. It, it kind of happened yesterday, actually, last night. And I started hearing a lot of noise and in my ears, like it felt like I heard a fan. I could just hear like these, these thoughts just keep turning. And it's, it's, um, I become so dismantled from, from these thoughts that it's really hard for me to sit down and do a practice or to meditate. And I don't think that that is even the answer. I think you, I, I would honestly, maybe, maybe that works for some people, but I would say, be careful. Um, so you're saying that when you have these thoughts like rattling around like crazy, you're kind of stuck in that destructive thought pattern. What you're saying is for you, you're not looking at meditation or mindfulness as like the solution right at that moment. To be honest, man, I, I think, I think breath work might be it. And I'm some, that's something I'm still exploring. But again, I think it's, it's a place where we need to get in our bodies. Yeah. We need to feel safe. We need to feel, we need to feel loved. Um, we need to feel that comfort within ourselves. I think if that's that regulation part, right? yeah, I think that if you can feel that comfort, I'm not saying that these thoughts won't keep happening because our, as long as our mind exists, the thoughts are going to be there. And that's not the problem. The problem is, is these ruminating thoughts. And when these ruminating thoughts happen for me, I start to want to hurt myself. I start to not want to, I start to say really mean things about myself. I start thinking about suicide. I start, um, you know, just ha I start feeling horrible and it starts feeling like the world's coming to an end. It starts feeling like everything is just, you know, this very hopeless place. Yeah. But I feel like it doesn't have to always, it doesn't have to go to that distance if we can learn to feel, if I can learn to feel safe in my body. Right. So. Dude, thank you. <laughs> One of the primary reasons that I kind of walked away from everything and I'm doing this is because I want to confront that shit. <laughs> I want to confront the feeling of hopelessness, of not being good enough of not having a plan, of having a sense of purposelessness and feeling alone and feeling unloved. And I want to see when I put myself in the most uncomfortable of situations, what comes up, right? Like what of those things comes up for me? How do I start harming myself? What practices do I stop doing? Which ones do I start picking up on that are self-harming? And I'm, I'm in the process of everything that you just said, man, is like, that was so articulate and I appreciate it a lot because I'm going through that. I'm going through that discovery of the shit, the dark stuff that I, I'm not comfortable with and comes out because of the discomfort. And I just don't want to think that that is something that I'm going to get trapped in either. And I want that way out. So I, I honestly, you, you, you nailed, you nailed it right there. Um, how you said that you want to put yourself in these uncomfortable situations because you want to see what comes up. Because a lot of the times, man, 
Mo most people live in a place of comfort. They don't allow themselves to get out of their comfort zone. So they're not actually being met with this resistance. They're not being met with this, their trauma. They're not, you, you can't heal. You can't heal something that you don't know exists. You know, everything that I've been dealing with for the past six months, like it was all hidden for the past three years when I was working this safe job where I was making a, a, a income that I could pay all my bills on. Now I'm like looking at my checking and savings account. I'm like, shit, like where's the, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what this is going to look like for me, you know? So I'm being met with all this stuff, man, that came up for me a couple years ago that I clearly didn't, I never, I never processed. I never, I was never able to release what, what happened to me all this stuff that I was feeling, um, emotionally, you know? Um, so yeah, man, I think I, you know, I, there's people who are leaving my program, you know, mm. because they can't handle it. Like it's very intense. It's kind of like we're setting ourselves on fire, you know, out of compassion yep. because we're doing this because we love ourselves because we want to know ourselves for the true sentient beings that we are. Mm. And we, I don't think we can ever truly know ourselves until we work through, work through this stuff. And I think that it's worth it. You know, I'm saying that right now because I'm feeling pretty good at this moment in time. But when you're, when you're going through it, man, it's very, very hard. Like I've, I thought about on my very last day of my program, uh, of my semester, I literally contemplated leaving the program myself. Yeah. But I know that I cannot leave my program. I can't leave this program because if I leave this program, I'm gonna be falling back into the old narrative this old story of who I am, when things get uncomfortable, I run. I need to force myself, I don't wanna use the word force, but I need to have that resilience, that find that strength within myself to work through this program, to work through the fire and allow myself to really, really see myself, how we should all be able to see ourselves for the, for the love that we are, you know? We're all created out of love. And so many of us just don't have that within us to be able to see it right now, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Mm. It doesn't mean it's not there. Man, I don't know you, you don't know me, but, but I know you gotta keep going, man. I know you gotta keep going. I mean, I'm, I'm just so appreciative to have caught you at this moment when you're going through things that benefit me. But I can tell you, man, like what you're going through is going to benefit so many people right? Like I see the eloquence in you. I see the passion. I see the, the comfort of just sitting down with anybody and having a conversation like this, like the gifts that you already have that you're bringing to this table are just going to be things that you build on over time. And it's going to be very, it's going to be very important for many, many other people who are going through feelings of hopelessness and yet don't know where to start and what they need to do next. And I, I see the story that you've been on and you haven't shared a lot of the details of it. It's your story that you're then going to be able to connect with other people as they're going through their story. And it gives you the strength of the vocabulary, the articulation, and also just the ability to see the light and see the, the way forward and impart the inspiration on them for them to experience that. You're doing that for me right now, man. And I'm just meeting you in a library. So um, I'm very, very appreciative of that. And I'm so excited to see where this program takes you and how your skills 
and the different palettes that you can draw from to help different kinds of people, it's just going to continue to expand, man. You're just getting started. Man, I, I appreciate you saying that so much. Um, because I feel like, you know, most of my life, I think that like there wasn't a whole lot of validation there. So I think the times where I, I experienced the most resistance while being in this program is because I'm not being validated. You know, I feel like, you know, um, just from being on the yoga path, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe it's my own perception of how I'm learning yoga philosophy, but like from what I've interpreted is like everything that we have comes from within, um, and the whole external thing, like, isn't something that we should be relied on, that shouldn't right. be relied on. And I just, I don't know if I agree with that, you know, at least not at this stage in my life. Like, I need human connection. I need validation. I need to know that I'm doing something right, yeah. you know? Because, I mean, the truth is, is like, if I, it's, it becomes dangerous when I'm left alone too long with myself, <laughs> you know? And, usually that tends to turn into, I'm not good enough. Um, so for you to, to give me such a high compliment, man, that means the world to me. Um, because I do, I need all the validation right now to keep on going because, um, it's hard, man. It's very hard work. Um, like my teacher said, man, not only is the work hard, but the work that we're being asked to do is, requiring us to really open up in some very dark places. And it's creating a lot of distress within ourselves. So we're having to do this schoolwork while going through all this emotional stuff, yeah. you know, and it's very, very hard. And, and we're a lot of, a lot of us are doing it without any type of validation. I'm out here by myself. I don't really, I, I feel a lot of times very isolated. Um, my family, you know, I have a very interesting history with my family. Um, so anytime someone pays me a compliment like you do, like you just did, man, it means the absolute world to me. So thank you so much. Yeah. And it wasn't empty, man. And, and so I want to talk about this for a second, because it's something that I have distanced myself from my friends, my family. I, you know, I broke up with the girl that is dating my girlfriend who is, was far and away the most supportive. And she was almost so supportive as like, kind of like a cheerleader kind of presence that I was like, ah, stop stop. I don't want the validation. I don't want the encouragement. I'm on the other side where I'm saying, make this fucking hurt because that's, I want to be very in touch yeah. with what isn't working in and where am I falling short of my ability to wow. steer the ship different. Right. Mm. And so I'm, I don't think that we need to have a debate here because I think I'm in a process, like I'm not talking to my friends, my family very much at all. And in fact, Three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I got COVID. It was just when I was starting out on the road in my in my van. Um, I was cold. I'd never lived in a van before. My 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 muscles hurt. My I'm getting cold sweats. So I'm like, man, this van life thing is hard. And I didn't realize that it was actually it's not that hard. It's that I have COVID as well. Wow. And so I ended up checking myself into a hotel for a few days, and I don't have a lot of money. So I'm like. Now I'm spending money, not doing the things that I came here to do. And I'm just like burnt out and I'm just getting started. And, and at that point, then I, you know, I had a scheduled call with my, uh, with my family. And so I called them and I'm like, yeah, like it's hard. I'm not feeling well. I'm like, oh, well you asked for this. And I was like, I did. 
They didn't, there was no pity. There was no sympathy. They're mm. like, you chose this. And I'm like, and I did, I did choose this. And then my girlfriend, she texted me and I kind of said like, listen, Britt, like we're not going to talk for a while, but she texted me anyway, because, uh, my, my family dog died and she heard out from my, heard from my family. So she sends me a text. Hey, and I'm like in bed, I'm sick, I'm alone. I have, feel like I have no purpose, I have no money, my future sucks. And this is when you start thinking, and this is what I wrote down. Today, I am closer to death than enlightenment, right? Because I was like, this sucks. And when she texted me that, hey, I hope you're doing okay. I heard about Micah. Uh, I just wanna make sure you're doing all right. Like reach out if you need anything. I was like, so tempted to pick up the phone and I was like, I'm not reaching out because <laughs> I know that that support is there and I can imagine all of the things that she was saying, but I want, I, yeah. I want to be able to love myself the way that she loved me by thinking, what would Brit remind me right now? What would, what would my family do and say to support me? And then why can't I say those things myself? Why can't I believe that they're true? from within inside me instead of relying on that external mm. validation. And so I'm actually in this place of like, I'm an attention whore, man. Like I'm on stage all the time. I'm a big commercial real estate, downtown broker. I've always got, you know, like tons of people around. And what I'm trying to do right now is actually say, what about me? What about me? What about the resources that are untapped within me to cultivate a sense of self-assurance so that no matter who's telling me what and what's going on, can I dig into that? Can I cultivate that? And so I didn't call her and I sat there and I was miserable for another day. And then the next day I woke up and I'm like, man, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good because I realized I'm still here. I still got this. I still have all of the same knowledge, the wisdom, the connections, the life experience. And I still have the exact same dream that I bought into and said that I wanted to do when I was in a place of power, when I was feeling strong and connected. And when I put myself back in the shoes of being strong and connected and realized that that goal is still the same, then I was like, well, then I'm just still moving towards it. And I'm going to struggle if that's what it takes. But that also then let me have a better sense of confidence in myself that this isn't a waste of time. I'm not being derailed by this. And I'm actually just taking that hard step forward into that darkness the way that I asked to, the way that I chose to by getting rid of everything that I have. And this is it, this is happening. So by sticking with it just that little bit longer, mm -hmm. I actually found that I was able to uh, reconnect with that purpose. And that's when I started reaching out. That's when I posted the post. Yeah, dude, that's what I was okay. thinking. Yeah. That's what, that was that, if you sit with it a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to read it real quick so we have it on record for people that are listening. I posted this the day that I was like, that that kind of like that darkness broke a little bit. And I was like, okay, I feel better today than I did yesterday. And what did I learn from this? What did I learn by sitting in it a little longer? So I just wrote this and posted it. I wonder, would you sit a little longer in discomfort and despair if you knew this wasn't just a wrong turn and that this road can take you there? And here's here's how I want to kind of pull this back full circle is I realized that, I wrote it, and I posted it, and I immediately got a bunch more subscribers to my uh, Schwa Wanders account, because people are like, that resonates, right? And a couple paid subscriptions to my writing that I do. And then you comment on it, and that is what actually leads to us having this conversation that is actually extremely rewarding. So by sitting in that shit just a little bit longer and actually 
trying to dig up a sense of self-worth and purpose for myself instead of expecting somebody to remind me all the time. That, that momentum forward put ripples out there into the world through an Instagram post and through me feeling good about it and through you then being in a place of reading it that it actually leads to that truth that I reconnected with becoming more true because now we're actually sitting here having this conversation. That's pretty wild. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think that's like a perfect way to end this. Yeah. Man. Yeah. No, oh, dude. Yeah. Um, I'd love to stay in touch. I, I, I really appreciate this. This has been uh, a very uh, rewarding and spontaneous experience and completely has justified um, a lot of the dark, cold, hard nights because this is my goal. This is my goal is to meet people like you and to have conversations like this and then to share them with the world and let people know that there's different ways of looking at things than the ones that we've been taught. And you are, you are not only talking about it, but you're actually going out there and learning about the things that are different from what we are usually taught. And you're applying them to yourself. And then you're learning how at the same time, simultaneously, how to give those gifts to other people. And I fucking commend you for that, man. And I really appreciate it. I mean, man, I, I, that's the goal. Yeah. It's the goal. I still have like a, a far way to do so. I, I know what it's been like to live a life of discomfort, um, to feel like I've been forgotten about. Um, and if I can possibly help someone not have to experience that themselves, I would, you know, I would love to, man. Um, we all have God-given talents. We all have superpowers, and it's, it's up to us to figure out what those are. And, you know, when my friend's mom told me when I was 19 years old that I do have this gift for, for holding space and for, for seeing people for as they are, and I, that's probably like the, I feel like that's like the only gift that I have. Mm -hmm. And if, it's, if there's only one gift that I have that was given to me from, from the one above, then, then that's beautiful then I want to explore that because that's the thing that's making me feel like I should be alive, you know? And, and that's been my biggest hurdle is I think we all have that common goal. We just want to feel alive. We want to feel human. And that's been my biggest, biggest struggle. And, you know, I just feel like when I'm helping others, I always feel best about myself. So, I don't think that it's your only gift. And I think that it's actually uh, too simple to say that it is only one gift that's going to lead you in that direction. I think it is a, a whole palette of gifts that you have that are coming together to allow you to do this. There's no one thing that holding space is. Mm. You're eloquent. You're a good listener. You you study. You've had life experience that you can draw from. There's there's so many things that are good looking. Together. Good <laughs> fucking looking guy. It's like, who's beard? This is messier right now. And uh, I love it. Um, but yeah, no, man, like keep going. And, and as an invitation to you, I'll, I'll give you my number. But um, when you're feeling like you're off track, when it's not working, um, I want you to reach out. And that's one thing that we don't do enough is when we feel frustrated, when we get down on ourselves, we start actually pushing people away and we get stuck deeper into those head spaces. Yeah. And so I would challenge you. It's not, it's not an invitation. I would challenge you. That one time when you're in that headspace of hopelessness and despair and frustration and self-loathing that you say, Kate, I hate that I'm doing this, but I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call him. And I would appreciate that. 
And I'm going to hold you to that. And I send the same invitation to you, man. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Um, I always say that when I start feeling in the dumps, uh, it's when I start feeling the furthest away from the rest of the world. And then the moment that I can find a way to reach out and ask for help, like, it's like, damn, how f- this happened. I feel so much better, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, we're, we're, that's how we're programmed, you know? We're, we need human connection. But again, it's also good sometimes just to, to really feel it because a lot of times, man, it comes from a place of, a deep place of love that we allow ourselves to feel this way. Trevor Hall, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Definitely check him out if you haven't. He actually lives here in Boulder as well. He covered this song by Mac Miller hmm. uh, called 2009. Okay. And uh, there's a line in that song that says, sometimes I wish I would have picked a simpler route. Instead, I have these demons that are as big as my house. Through this past six months of being in this program, man, I just journaled about it the other day and like, it was a reminder of how strong I am. Mm-hmm. I really allowed myself to go through this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. I must really love myself and be really strong for myself to have allowed myself to go through and to not give up. You That's know? it, man. It's like when we subject ourselves to the that discomfort and we're actually specifically trying to confront shit that makes us uncomfortable, that hurts that's actually coming from a place of self-love and like it is an, a yeah. testament to the confidence that you have in yourself to find your way through. And I think it's also just trying to remind us how strong we are. Like a lot of times, like I've, I've said this before and again, to anyone who, who, who listens to this one, thank you. But two, we got to be very careful about how we choose to talk to ourselves. Um, because a lot of it can create sending us down a, a really dark rabbit hole, uh, which, you know, sometimes might be necessary, um, a lot, there's times, man, where I'm like, fuck, like, am I going to be able to really tap into that inner strength and be able to pull myself out of this the way that I need to? Cause sometimes it, it's, it's a little deep. sometimes it just really seems like it doesn't seem very likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that even though it might seem like it's not very likely it's, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's happening, and it's happening in ways that you might not be able to see it. Uh, somebody said it to me the other day. They're like, "Like, listen, you you asked for the sausage, but you didn't ask to see how the sausage was made, <laughs> and we're and we're gonna see the whole path forward, right? And uh, and yeah, you're living on the front lines of your own life, man. So keep going. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate I uh, I appreciate you asking me to um, to have this conversation with you. My heart feels very full right now. Um, and I feel really good right now, man. So it means that the conversation that we had that was, it was very fulfilling. And I, um, I hope whoever listens to this, I hope it helps somebody. Yeah. You know, I hope it helped you. I hope it, I think it helped me. I believe it did. Um, and yeah, man, I hope that this journey of yours, it, I hope you get the answers that you're looking for. I hope you find the healing that you're, that you so deserve. Um, and yeah, I'm sure you're, you're going to end up meeting and, and crossing paths with every person that you're supposed to. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. It's just getting started, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. I, I, I hope you let me know when this comes out. Cause I would love to, to absolutely. listen to it. Yeah. So yeah. 
Well, thank you again uh, for having this conversation and uh, can't wait to see how our journeys continue to overlap and uh, we'll be in touch soon, I'm sure. Yeah, to new friendship. Cheers, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. After we finished recording, he asked, so what are you doing now, man? I have no idea, I said. I'll probably drive back to Denver, sleep in the van in some parking lot, and then head further south. I'm making up this whole thing as I go. Well, I don't have much to offer you, but you can sleep on my couch tonight. I feel like there's a lot more we could talk about, and I've got a lot more questions. I said, I'd love that. Let's do it. As we drove to his place in Hober, he confessed that he didn't feel very comfortable having me over. I don't really own much, and it's just a residence at the college, so I haven't decorated. Dude, I said, thanks for sharing that you're uncomfortable. On my end, I couldn't really give a shit about how your place looks or what you own. We're here to connect with each other, and we often forget that's why almost everyone in our life spends time with us. They are there for you. Yeah, okay, that's pretty pure if that's how you're looking at it, he said. I saw in him the same thing I see in many people, including myself. We fill in the blanks on how we think others are judging us, and we don't fill them in with much kindness or awareness of the value we have. Beyond the need to drop these assumptions, it highlighted the importance of expressing gratitude and encouragement to others in our life. Who could you send an encouraging note to right now? Man, I said, that's how I have to show up. This is my life now. I'm all in on deeper human connection. We're here to learn from each other and to discover how we can contribute. Judging you is totally irrelevant to that path. I want to meet you right where you're at. Plus, you're talking about a house to a guy that lives in a van. We laughed and let the whole narrative go. His home was small, and he was right. There was no decorations and limited furniture. His love, resources, and attention were clearly focused elsewhere. A navy couch with cushions that somehow didn't quite fit, a desk upon which I placed Wilson, my small bonsai tree, and a small coffee table. He had a meditation altar and a statue of the elephant-headed Hindu god Ganesh, which would have been rare among white dudes from Ohio. The kitchen had an appropriate number of dishes and wares for a bachelor spending all his time engrossed in his studies and playing in the mountains. His brown sugar golden doodle named Journey bounced playfully around, happy for the extra company. We made a simple dinner and dove into a much deeper discussion about how his friendships and relationships are going and the invisible excuses we all lean on that reinforce where we are rather than where we want to go. We discussed the limitations of traditional counseling that seemed to focus too heavily on unpacking childhood traumas and offers not enough practical skills for how to move forward. We decided to take this conversation for a walk, and he opened up more about the lack of confidence he'd been struggling with while pushing himself outside his own comfort zone. This counseling program was arduous, and ironically, he found it difficult to open up and connect with other students, even though they were all in theory studying how to connect and empathize with each other. He'd been considering dropping out. Sometimes, man, he said, as we walked slowly down the same street that I'd been earlier recording on. Sometimes when I have something to say in class and I don't speak up, afterwards I feel like I should just drop out. Sometimes I have thoughts about killing myself and I can't even sleep for days. Oof, my hands tingled and my vision felt sharper as we stared at the cobblestone sidewalk in front of us. What courage to share that. The street was empty and illuminated with string lights just for us. I thought about how just a week earlier I had been tossing and turning all night, feeling useless and stupid, thinking about what a relief death might be. Suicidal thoughts now and then aren't all that uncommon, but the fresh awareness I had that you can take yourself from a state of despair to peace and optimism was a story I now had to share with someone who was a little stuck, someone who kept noticing he was getting in his own way.
I've heard and experienced that wanting to die usually isn't derived from anger towards yourself. It feels more like relief from the crushing reality of being the self. The goal of ending it all usually isn't to honor a loathing inside the body, but to escape the cage of the mind, to fly away from the persisting stories that chain us. Once those dark tales start telling us that this isn't actually a story, but simply our unshakable reality, we can feel at a checkmate loss. My struggle was already valuable for me, and I felt an immense sense of triumph that I could empathize and support someone on the basis of my own experience. I was not phased by confessions of suicidal thoughts, but rather curious to see if we could reconnect with the realization that these stories are cages that can be deconstructed and reconstructed. Wow, I responded with a gentle smile. That's a pretty big jump from wishing you spoke up in class to wanting to completely out. I'm really interested in unpacking how that train of thought begins and then escalates so quickly. He looked at me sideways. I really appreciate how you responded to that. You didn't try to make me feel better. You didn't even try to talk me off the ledge. You just got even more curious. Together until 2 a.m., we unpacked different ways of looking at the same situations, social conflicts and subconscious conclusions. He was finding school difficult academically and personally, and this new challenge brought up new doubts and insecurities. But really, just as I had subjected myself to a difficult situation, he had chosen to attend school to level up and to do the same. Like me, his success could not be defined by feeling good or having fun right now. Each of us was here to get frustrated, to conquer demons, to reshape ourselves into something that felt resonant and closer to our potential. I actually sensed a great confidence in Josh to have taken on such a challenge. I saw a man that simply needed some encouragement. He needed community. We all need community. I saw how wildly engaged he was with me, and I encouraged him to bring this enthusiastic curiosity to the classroom. There are plenty of people out there that want to support us and explore with us. The best people for you are not judging you for speaking up. They are waiting to hear from you. You have gifts they can learn from, and they'll appreciate you more for your many contributions. I saw how his storyline started to expand as he recounted recent experiences of how people had been offering connection and how he hadn't quite engaged. We saw opportunities for him to take concrete actions to invite community into his life. At various points, we both took our journals and wrote down insights that came from our vulnerable collaboration. The next morning, I packed the van, drove back to Denver, feeling victorious and restored with courage. I recognized that even this one long conversation with Josh seemed to be completely justifying the darkest days I had already experienced. I'd learned from him, I'd contributed to him, and it had mattered to us both. Hober hummed and whistled as I drove east through the much colder sunshine. This had all conspired because he had commented on a post about staying with discomfort, the same post I had written at the end of my recent despair. It was because of my struggle and the lessons learned that I had been able to meet him to contribute to his well-being and to recharge myself with his energy as well. My pain had already become a gift. I reflected on how we had ended our conversation late in the night, exhausted and alive. You know, man, his voice echoed in my mind. I don't know anyone else who talks like you do. We need more of this. Men need this kinds of conversations. And even though I'm in school for counseling, it's somehow just not happening here. I really appreciate your approach and perspective, and I'm glad you reached out. I'm actually looking forward to next semester. I know I'm on the right track. And also, man, I love that you cried a couple times today. I haven't cried in a long time, honestly, and I was a little jealous that you showed up that raw and real with a stranger. I really appreciate this conversation too, I smiled, but we can all dig into what's going on for us and we'll often be surprised at how many people want to meet us there. It's just a choice to decide what kinds of conversations you are going to have and how honest you are going to be.
And they usually only happen between two people when one person leads the charge and offers invitation through vulnerability. You can lead the charge to go find people that want to go there with you. They are all around waiting to come alive. And dude, I cry all the time. I fucking love it, honestly. When I have a few tears well up and my throat constricts mid-conversation, when I get choked up, it's a psychological confirmation that I am present, engaged, and embodied. And so, man, I hope you get to cry one day soon, too.